Hi, and welcome to The Leadership Blog, the podcast for leaders, disruptors, and entrepreneurs. This is the second installment in Series 2, dedicated to side hustles, passion projects, and small business. Do you have a side hustle or are thinking of starting one? Perhaps you've been pouring energy into a side hustle for some time and are wondering if this is something you should move to full-time. If so, this series is for you. So make sure you hit subscribe so that you don't miss any of the insightful interviews. My guest today is luxury handmade candle entrepreneur, Joe McFarlane, the second best known of the candle making Joes, after Joe Malone, of course. Joe is passionate about helping people engage with their creativity and encouraging others to start their own venture around something they love. Aside from her workshops and courses on candle making and business, she has also released a book, Ask and Act, available on Amazon now. Ask and Act illustrates her simple, practical and no-nonsense business philosophy. In this conversation, we talk about commercializing a business that started at the kitchen table, how not to let the admin side of running your own business take away from the pleasure of creating, and how to build the discipline and resilience it takes to be your own boss. I hope you enjoy. Being an artist has always been a passion of mine, and I think that was probably where I should have gone, you know, from the very beginning. But I've always painted and drawn, and uh, when I was seven, I won an art competition on Magpie. You're probably too young to to remember about that, but it was around the same time as um, Blue Peter. So I think art has always been my passion, really. I did get into art college, but I got offered a job the same week, so I actually decided to take the job in, in advertising instead. And what was the driving factor in making that decision at the time? And probably because I needed to pay rent. <laughs> <laughs> I needed to pay rent. So yeah, I took a job which was extremely attractive in, in advertising. I just mm-hmm. did that. And then a recession hit. I ended up being offered a job in, uh, as an air hostess. So then that, that took me on another career path for another 16 years. Wow. Um, then I had my son. So things happen the way they do, you know, and I never kind of look back and think, oh gosh, if I'd done that, you know, I very much like, you know, I am where I am because that's where, you know, I'm supposed to be. When this air hostess opportunity came up, I mean, you said that with the circumstances played a role because there was a recession. Was this something that you always wanted to do or was this just something that materialized and you took it out of need? Oh, it was just, it materialized and yeah, I just, the interview was there and I went for it and yeah, it it was just such a a fun job to do. It was just, you know, jet setting around the, uh, at that time it was short haul, so it was just around Europe. I was based in Scotland, so actually when we thought we had, um, we had a, what's called a night stop where you get a layover in somewhere, and my very first layover, I think it was in Gatwick, <laughs> so that was coming from Edinburgh, and I was so excited going, you know, from Edinburgh to have a night stop layover in Gatwick. And then, you know, when you're in flying, you see other people moving on to other airlines. And I ended up flying for uh, another two airlines after that. So you you just end up on that path, don't you? And then it was just such an amazing job. By this point, 
you know, I was flying to Buenos Aires, Hong Kong, Bermuda every week. And it was just the best job in the world, you know, you know, and getting to meet so many amazing, you know, customers and working with great crew as well. So. And were you a frustrated creative during this process? Were you always thinking, maybe I'll go back to my art or at least do it on the side? Yeah, yeah, I was always like probably on the side creating, doing some little exhibitions or, you know, painting. Yeah, so it's it's almost, I'd say, part of my DNA, you know, the, to paint and, and exhibit. And in terms of business, were you ever thinking, I should do something more with this? Or were other people telling you, look, Joe, you're such a fantastic artist. Maybe you can go further with this, have a studio or, you know, paint to sell. Was this at the back of your mind at all? Oh, yes. You know, people used to say, why don't you do this? You know, but I think people are like that. You know, people like to say, oh, you know, why aren't you doing this? And you're like, oh, it's, you know, it's not as easy, you know. So how did you get into candles? There's obviously a thing with candles and Joe's. You have Joe Malone um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I have Joe McFarlane. There's quite a few, isn't there? Um, I just, I'm, I've always been a, a person who's quite eco and I love recycling and I love painting antique furniture. The candles came about, I, I had some empty vessels. I actually still have my original one that I created in. So way back, what, nine, ten years ago now, I had this gorgeous, beautiful cut glass old vessel from, I think it was Crabtree and Evelyn or something. And it was near Christmas and I thought, you know, I can make, maybe I can make some candles and, you know, fill these gorgeous vessels. Bought some ingredients from a high street shop, got home to make and realised actually what I, I purchased was pretty much, it was a bit substandard to say the least. And I actually binned, I, I just got rid of everything, put it in the, the trash. And I thought, oh my gosh, do, are candles actually made out of these kind of substandard ingredients? Surely not. You know, and I had a young son, I was thinking, well, you know, can't have this kind of product around the house. And it just really, I started researching companies that were sort of soy based, you know, vegetable based. Yeah, it just started, it grew from there. Who would have thought that years later it would actually be a business? So you pursued a curiosity and this was basically an art and crafts project for you at the beginning. Something yeah, yeah. And I, I don't really like throwing things out if I can recycle or, you know, revamp them a bit like the furniture. You know, I buy old antique furniture and say, oh, you know, come on, you can come home with me. I'll give you a paint and, you know, give it a new lease of life. And the candles were very much the same. You know, that new lease of life, you know, it expanded. A few other friends were saying, oh, I'd love to learn how to make and I said, oh, come on, well, I'll run a workshop around my kitchen table. And, you know, it just, it really grew organically from there. And I said, right, okay, let's time this and see how long it takes to take, you know, for four people to run a workshop. And everybody that came to the workshops, I knew, you know, for about a year, I knew them. And then people started coming that I didn't know, which was a different experience, again, because of course, the workshops were run in my home, you know, and I think people were quite, they're, they're quite happy to come along for a, a little uh, look at your house as well, you know, check out where you're living and, and your interiors as well. So it started amongst your immediate circle. And, you know, yeah. quite often people talk about this idea that sparked, you know, this business. And that is important. It's important to know what the idea was, but actually more important is how the idea grew. You know, it's, it's kind yeah. of like having a baby and then having to take care of it during those newborn stages where there's such an intense amount of work. So it seems like people were just attracted to what you were doing and they were having the setup around your house. How did you evolve from that to doing something even more commercial? 
I was contacted by the Fairmont Hotel in St Andrews, which is about uh, nine miles away. And they said, you know, could you do, you know, some corporate candles, um, you know, for corporate gifting? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was pouring, you know, candles for the Fairmont Hotel around my kitchen table as well. Mm-hmm. And then about, um, I think probably about a year and a half later, I got my studio, which I'm in now. So I was just, I kind of embrace and say yes <laughs> to um, probably think about things afterwards. But I'm very much open to opportunity and opportunity often arises and presents itself to me whenever I, I sort of open my hands and say, OK, today I'm open to whatever may come by my way and so actually the business really grew out of the need of others you know the workshop I never thought I'd run workshops but people were like yeah yeah we'd love to come so I was like okay I'll create one for you and you know I had the beginners workshop at the start and then people were like well how would we learn how to color a candle or make a pillar or and I was like okay I'll put together an advanced workshop where you can come and make for the whole day and everybody was like, is it, is it coming yet? When is it? I was like, okay, next year, you know, I'll have it created by then. It's actually been customer led. You know, I think it's not been me and the driving force. In a way it has, but actually my customers have really driven the business for me. You know, my private label clients need corporate gifting and, and, and customers that want to kind of learn and create um, have come along too. So, yeah, I, I've been grateful to have been led by my gorgeous customers. But that's actually really interesting because quite often when people set up a business and they think of a business idea, they go to town doing business plan, market research, SWOT analysis, and they kind of have a very push force around how they want to sell it. And they concentrate more on what they're doing than what people want. Sometimes, yeah. you know, they're like, okay, this is a gap in the market. I think I found something and they'd start to develop it. And then they come to the customer and think, who are the actual customers that might want this? For you, it seems like the opposite. It was like a pull force. So your customers were coming to you. Very much so. And I think by the time it got to my developing that, you know, people were coming and saying, actually, we'd like, we'd love to have a business like you have. But then I said, actually, my business was created back to front. You don't want to be doing that, you know, because um, it kind of got to the stage like, oh, my gosh, I need a website. OK, let's go and find a web developer or I need this or I need this. So then I was kind of hunting on the, you know, hunting on the spot. Whereas now when I have the Ignite Your Creativity course, I kind of provide all that information. I drip, drip feed it in modules so they get the correct module at the right time. So they don't go into making to start with. They actually just start with foundations of the business. And then, you know, by module four, they'll actually be making because I don't want people to, to do it back to front like I did because it's, it is, it's harder. <laughs> it's, it is harder, I guess, but it's also easier because the demand is there. So you're just supplying the demand. People say they want workshops. You do workshops. The yeah. hotel asks you for the candles, you make the candles, you realize there's a corporate market in there as well. The women that you created the course for, how would you describe like your average customer? So they're different in terms of the people that come to the actual in-person workshops. They're just there for a day out, you know, a couple of hours making, you know, that sort of experience. And they tend to go to a lot of other workshops. So they'd go to wreath making at Christmas. They'd maybe perhaps go to jewellery making or bath bomb making as well. So that is the kind of clientele that come along to the in-person ones. And, and I suppose they're attracted by the scones of Prosecco in the afternoon as well, you know, to, to make it, um, you know, make a day of it. So they come, maybe book, you know, into local B&Bs or the local um, accommodation and make a weekend of it. Where 
the the people that are attending the now online courses they are more geared up definitely for they want to make it a business or they want to create a lot of candles you know at home whereas the people that come to the in-person are just they just generally want an experience you know for a few hours so the the ladies that want to and i'm assuming that it is majority ladies there's definitely a lot of gentlemen come along and actually they are really creative as well and they have a different sense of smell and it's lovely to have that male energy you know around the workshop as well i mean scones and prosecco are very universal (laughs) in their appeal it's definitely not too gender specific yeah the after so obviously the it was always the afternoon um workshop that would offer the scones and prosecco there was no prosecco in the morning because people wouldn't leave they'd be like oh let's just have another glass you know so the the afternoon workshops were always the one that had prosecco and they were the ones that sold out first yeah it's good to know so if anybody's is booking it yeah. <laughs> prosecco is your thing the afternoon yeah. they only get tea and coffee in the morning <laughs> <laughs> but for those that want to create their own business around candles why do you think they specifically want candles you know because there are a lot of different businesses that you could create how does somebody come upon landing that idea i think when they're in charge of choosing their scent as well they think oh my gosh not only can i create this fantastic candle but i've got this you know entire library of scents that i can use because you know candles generally a good quality candle isn't you know it's not on the values you know sort of cheap side so i think when people know that they can create their own and have the sense that they want they are just um so excited and i've got a facebook group that they share everything that they make and they're so adventurous far more adventurous than what i ever was in the beginning you know they're using all these different colors different vessels and you know it's amazing to see people create and generally i think everybody is a creative they have a creative streak in them but perhaps they haven't just had it unleashed yet people will come along and they say oh I've never made anything in my whole life and when they go when they make this beautiful candle suddenly they're like oh my gosh I'd love to do this full time I'd love to give up my job you know in the corporate world and do this you know so they they leave this sort of excitement um of what what the future holds you know and it's lovely to see that I think what's also really special about the candle making is that this is really something you're doing with your hands and with your senses. Pleasure of creating it like right there in front of you. So that's the big appeal. And when you yeah. say that people are actually interested in leaving their jobs and doing this full time. So this is the kind of the turnaround that people make. Yeah, they're just like, oh my gosh. And then they have this conversation. Maybe that's Prosecco. <laughs> Maybe that's Prosecco fueled. <laughs> Maybe by the time they get home, you know, they've changed their mind. But it's lovely and to be able to and I encourage people to be really eco as well when they go home because people will say oh my gosh I just threw out like 30 empty jars that had candles in them last week so what I do really encourage people is to go home and refill empty vessels as well and clean that you know clean those out and um yeah so very much that streak of being eco and recycling runs through the business as well. So how would you describe your mission as to where your business is now? What are you looking, how are you looking to serve? Um, so I'm looking to serve, and I think it goes back to my sort of flying days, um, because I love global travel. I love different cultures and meeting people of diff- different countries, etc. So now the online courses offer that as a global product. So now, you know, I've welcomed people from Mexico, India, 
California have attended the online version. So for me to be able to offer it globally is amazing. That that's really what makes me uh, makes me happy to be able to support people um, in other countries. So you're expanding the amount of people and the kind of geographical location of the people that you're offering this this to. What is it that you think is so important about tapping into people's creativity? I think it's really important. I think it's really important for our brain to learn new skills as well. Because I'm always about, you know, I don't know if I have this like addicted to learning. And maybe I just put that on people, you know, come and learn a new skill. Because I think it's really important to kind of give somebody, uh, you know, a sort of creative outlet, but also the possibility that actually they can perhaps, you know, start a small business and, you know, earn a bit of money. You know, there was a famous quote by... Um, I think it was Bob Proctor and I don't know if you know Bob Proctor and um, I think the wife had said oh you know can I have your wallet I'm going out Um, I just need like ten dollars and the husband says oh what for what do you need this ten dollars for and she said from that moment on I was going to make my own money for that for, for me to give people the opportunity to actually whether it's male or female but, you know, particularly geared to women to be able to, to give people an opportunity to make their, own, make their own money as well is so important. Combining the passion and the money, when you can do it, it must be a fantastic feeling. But there are also a lot of things that come with running your own business that you wouldn't necessarily have if you were just attending the workshops and having fun with it. So what are some of the unexpected things that came your way as you started to set up this candle making as an actual business? Oh gosh, probably spending more time on paperwork and less time on less time on making. You know, when I say to people, are like, do you pour candles like this every day? And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I maybe pour like once every two weeks or something. So yes, I think people think that they're just going to be making these beautiful candles all the time, and they forget actually that there's a lot of paperwork. I think people forget that you have to be so driven to do every sort of aspect of your business, whether you like it or not, Um, especially in the beginning, you know, and I mean, I still run the business by myself. I'd always get the worst jobs done first in the day. You know, I'm very much like, you know, eat that frog, get the the tough jobs done first and delay gratification and um, do the lovely jobs at the end of the day. And I even said to my son the other day, and I was doing something that I didn't need to be doing. And I said, do you see what I'm doing here? And he said, no, what are you doing? I said, I'm procrastinating. (laughs) You just have to do it. You just really have to do it. And you just have to be disciplined. You know, you do have to get up early. And, you know, if people don't want to get up at like 5 a.m., then they actually, they don't, they're they're not passionate enough about what they want to create. You know, you really have to have a passion to do it. And, you know, and for me about running my business, you know, it's not, it's not about the money at all. I love what I do and I love creating candles and be able to share the light of a candle. I love the scents, but the scents are kind of secondary to me. You know, it's all about getting the light of a candle around the world. Yeah, you've just got to do it. Do you think that being busy is part of that as well? Because you've got so many things that you're doing, not just in your business, but you're swimming the length of the channel uh, for charity. You've got so many other pursuits and passions. You've written your book. Do you think that's part of it, just having enough to do to keep yourself stimulated moving on to the next thing? Yeah, yeah. I, I think when the book came out, I, I had a kind of funny pause and I was thinking, what, what, why am I feeling strange? And I was thinking, gosh, well, what next? Because I've got all my courses out there online. I've got the book out. Oh, what, what's next? And I suddenly felt a little bit 
oh, I don't know, a little bit of a wobble, you know, but now I just, I know how to, to spend um, the time on marketing and, um, and PR and, 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 <laughs> and spend that on my focus because actually in terms of the business, you know, the business will grow and the, the online side will now expand because obviously like, you know, there's only me and the in-person workshops are at capacity. Well, obviously pre-COVID, they were at capacity. So by putting the, the business online and having people attend, that is expandable and the book is expandable. So it's kind of offering my help and support in other ways and not necessarily, you know, in person. For those people that are creative and they want to work in their passion, but they're afraid of having to deal with all the admin side of the business and they actually feel like this is going to kill the passion for what they're doing yeah. and that hobby is actually just going to wither and die when, yeah. it start, when, it, when it turns into a business. What would you suggest would be the right way or framework of thinking about or the right questions to ask when you are considering turning your passion into a business? Um, I would always say, um, ask, you know, ask for help. You know, I have somebody that does my bookkeeping now. I think I put myself in a bookkeeping course and me and spreadsheets don't get on too well. You know, we're not, we don't have the closest relationship. So I do think, you know, asking for help is a, is a good thing. You know, I mean, I have, obviously I don't have anybody working in the studio with me, but I have help from many other people you know, across the, across the world as well. You know, I have a lady that's doing some work for me. She lives in Tanzania. You know, I have my bookkeeper. I have Gemma Ray, who's my editor, book writing partner, another contributor on the book who um, did all the Amazon side. He lives in Malaysia. So I think it's really important to have help and not to be discouraged two brains are better than one and having somebody else have fresh eyes on your business is amazing because you just think I didn't even see that or I didn't even think of that but I'm not all about the perfect so sometimes I think it's hard for somebody to ask for help if they're expecting it to be a certain standard or if they are after perfection and they don't want to give a job to somewhere somebody else I don't worry about being perfect I just worry that the job gets done and, and that's it and then we can you know we can look at it afterwards I mean, nothing's really done solo everything's a team effort even if it's invisible if it's not seen but nobody just creates something by yeah. themselves yeah. in the world even if it's like listening to your customers and getting that way of collaborating and feedback it's still a team effort but talking of asking for help what are some of the hardest things that you have to go through when you are starting your own business because you I think suppose have been fortunate because your customers have come to you and they said, Joe, we love your product, please do more. But have there ever been times maybe when you've created something or thought of something and the feedback that you got wasn't necessarily so positive? So how do you get yourself going through those times? Yeah, you've just got you've got to address the issues but not take things too personally as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's harder when like for me, my name is behind the brand. So sometimes that could have a bit of a, an advantage and disadvantage because people will see when they know it's me and they know they're chatting to me, then they're like, oh my gosh, that's a person. Whereas I think a lot of the bigger companies that perhaps just have a name, people who own the business might not take it personally. Yeah, try not to take something personally and understand actually you know you can't please everybody as much as as much as you want to to do and i think i i think a lot of that came from my flying days 
you know, working. If you've got an aircraft full of, you know, a couple of hundred people, you could do everything for that one person. I've taken my lunch out of my own case because we ran out of bananas in first class, you know, and I thought, do you know what? I've actually got a banana in my, you know, in my crew bag. I can go and offer a banana. And then that person might be not pleased that, you know, the banana is not, I don't know, and you think, you you know, you've gone to every nth of the degree. You know, I offered you my lunch. I will not eat now. Um, so you've got to understand that actually you can't please everybody as much as you, you really go out of your way to help. And I suppose the fear of judgment as well stops people from even starting or thinking that they're not going to please everybody because they want yeah. a, university, a universally positive response to what you're doing and that's just never going to happen. Yeah, of course. I think I say in my book, you might be the juiciest peach in the world, but there's always someone that doesn't like peaches. Mm-hmm. And you have to just, you have to be able to take that. Of course, you know, you do take things personally. And, you know, if you get a negative comment on, you know, on social media, People sometimes maybe forget that you are, you know, a real person because there's so many bots out there that are responding, you know. So if you do get a negative comment, it's not, you know, you just have to take it on board. And um, if it's something that you can address, then you, you you can do that. But if it's not, then perhaps they're just, you know, I think I'd posted a picture of one of my customers' candles that was in a clear glass with a silver lid and, and someone made a negative comment and said oh they're just joe malone ripoffs so the poor person's going to be thinking what a shame you know i've created this beautiful candle and now somebody's criticizing it but that's just that's just the way of the world so you can only please some of the people some yeah. of the time also i think as far as taking things personally if this was your job if somebody else told you make this candle you wouldn't take it so personally because you would just feel like right well i'm just doing what i was told to yeah. do but for some reason because when you're seeing this as an expression of yourself you really attach yourself to that product everything's going to hit home very very hard do you think it's important to have a little bit of a distance between yourself and your business as much as it is a passion project and if so how do you do that I think on one hand you do have to distance yourself but on the other hand I'm thinking about my business every second of the day you know if I wake up through the, the night I'm writing down ideas on my notepad or coming downstairs to write something I think you never stop. I think you never stop. Um, I think it was the um, the CEO of um, PepsiCo when I think when she was like asked, you know, what what her top tip, um, you know, for for uh, being a woman in business, and she said, never take a day off, never take a day off. And I think I can see that. I can see, you know, you might do an activity or something at the weekend that takes your your mind off it for a couple of hours, but actually, you know, you you eat, sleep, and um, live your business really it is it's like it's it's like having a baby (laughs) so what keeps you going and motivated for a business what is your target or your goal oh gosh I don't know I just um I love what I do I absolutely love what I do every day I love a Monday it's my favorite day of the week I do I love a Monday I can't wait to get up on a, a Sunday night I'm like oh my god it's Monday I'm pretty much motivated all the time Loving what you do is the key and and staying in the space where loving what you do remains loving what you do rather than worrying about what you do or stressing about what you do. And I think you seem to have unlocked that quite early by just asking for help for people that can handle that and take that responsibilities from your hands. How else do you recharge like personally? Um, I love being in the outdoors, you know, 
I love being in the water, you know, in the sea. Um, so yeah, being in being in you know nature. Um, I do yoga in the morning. Um, I also do Hof, you know, the Wim Hof method. So I have my shower outside in the the freezing under a hose. I mean, it's really not any form of glamour at all, but it's it's a it's a garden hose rigged up um, to hang over a hook, and I go out there, and that recharges me to to be in the outdoors. And generally, it's at sunrise, so I, I get to stand there and um, watch the sunrise with beautiful birds around me, um, and that kind of sets me up for the day. And but yeah, being in nature. Um, yeah, I think this image of you under the hose in the sunrise sort of makes me think of you like a Scottish samurai, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like a, the superwoman Scottish samurai. That's how you begin your day. <laughs> which is just incredible. But I, I think you are coming across that the whole person, the, the positivity, but also the resilience. You know, you've got to have that. And I think that's how you stay positive and, and, and motivated. Sort of a final closing question on business. What do you think of business plans? So there are varying schools of thoughts on this. Some people would like to plan out exactly what's going to happen next six months and just stick to it and see what happens. Others build more intuitively. Which camp do you fall into? Oh gosh, well, I don't have one. <laughs> I don't have one, but what I do have is um, a big list of um, achievements that I would like to to do in the business. And I kind of just tick them off. I have a big whiteboard at work as well. Um, I do a lot of visualization and sort of manifestation, which, which I share in my book, uh, various different things that you can do. So for example, I would cut out a triathlon medal out of paper. You know, I'd print off a, a triathlon medal and then I would visualize taking a picture of my real triathlon medal when I eventually had one. Um, I would take a picture of them both together. So I think for me, writing things down is actually the first stage in manifestation. So if you write down, um, you know, I'd love to be a best-selling author. You know, I don't, I don't really put any time scales on it, but I know if it's there and it's on the list, it's in my thought all the time, you know, and the times I've written things down, you know, like create an online course, it, it manifests itself so that once you've written it down, then things naturally come. I'm, I'm very kind of, I'm quite spiritual as well. So I do ask for a lot of help um, for signs and, and people to kind of come by my way that are aligned to what I'm asking for as well. So things seem to just fall in my lap that are aligned with what I'm asking. So I don't have a formal business plan, but what I do have is a list of achievements that I do want to have. And I'm not meaning like in a materialistic way, I'm meaning in a sort of, um, whether it be a spiritual way, you know, it's not, you know, I'm not a materialistic person, so it's not like, yeah, I'd like this car or something. It's not about that. It's about having help in creating the products in my business that can help people no formal business plan but a long list of things that I would like to be do and have that are all written down and it's amazing it's a bit like um there's a great exercise that you could do um called the letter from the future so you can write yourself a letter say five years time or a year's time even and you can just say you know I've now um you know I've now managed to to run a, a 3k or a 5k race or little things like that so people when they say oh you know you've run a marathon but I said but actually I've not always been a runner and you know for me in the past to even be able to run a 5k 
was really hard. I did, you know, the couch to 5K. And it's all about, you know, I would like to be a marathon or I want to be in that 1% of people that have run a marathon. And I think once you have that, once you've said those words and written it down, then things just come by your way. You know, you look at your phone and there's suddenly an advert for entry into the New York Marathon and you think that's a sign, you know. So I think it's important to write things down, write write goals down. But in terms of a sort of what you would imagine like a business plan, maybe I kind of tag that in the same sort of um, categories, spreadsheets, you know. (laughs) Yeah. So we're coming to the end of the interview, but a couple of questions on leadership. So I, I know you're you're working for yourself and you have your own business, but you are leading all of these people to the love of candles and creating something for themselves. And this was kind of like very essential working with your senses exercise. So how do you see yourself as a leader in that context? Gosh, I've never actually thought of myself as a leader, actually. Um, I just, I love helping people. I'm really passionate about helping people. And, you know, if I can do that in any form, you know, whether it be connecting, I love connecting people, not for my benefit, but I could connect, you know, people that are on some of my courses and say, oh, actually, have you read this? Or why don't you try stocking in this shop? Or so I actually, I don't see myself as a leader at all. I see myself as just helping and um if I can make a great connection and and I don't follow up either you know I don't do it for oh did did you follow up that you know or did what did you do about that I just kind of put it to them and know that actually if it's, if it's their decision um you know to follow up that's that's their path you know I've just I've just um connected and helped you know the best that I could and as far as self-leadership is concerned because you just mentioned you know, the power of visualization and the power of attraction and just putting what you want out there. And you mentioned the exercises that you can do, letter from the future, et cetera, writing things down, visualizing them. How do you work out on an ongoing basis what is important to you? What are the kind of questions that you ask yourself? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Do you mean sort of personal, personal development or? Um, yeah. I guess both about what you, where you want to be in your life, because when people ask you to, for example, write down what you really want, how do you know that what you're writing down is something that you want versus something that you would have seen in an ad or some, someone else tells you that this is the right thing to be having? How do you actually connect with yourself to a level where you feel like you can actually answer that question authentically? Oh, gosh, that is a really good question. I probably, I meditate quite a lot. So I probably ask for things that are aligned with me and to be um, to be shown things on my path. So actually, I think perhaps it's not really chosen by me in a funny way. It's probably in a sort of esoteric sort of um, way, you know, because I never thought I'd be making candles. I never thought I'd be, you know, when I kind of think, oh, my gosh, I've got a book and I've got three online courses this is not kind of where I thought, but it, it's actually exactly where I'm supposed to be. So actually, I just, I quite often put things out there and and just go with it. Are there any closing thoughts that you'd want to share? Oh, gosh. I would just say to people, just don't be afraid and just do it, you know, or feel the fear, you know, because I, I, I'm not addicted to fear, but I'm not afraid 
to do things. I'm not afraid to come last in a race or I'm not afraid to jump on a train and, and head somewhere. And I think fear stops a lot of people. So I would always just say to people, you know what, dream big and just do it. You know, a, a few of the girls that I know, I said, you know, you know, you could be in London, you could be stocking, you know, Harrods or Selfridges, you could be doing this. You just have to, you know, you just have to believe in yourself and and get rid of the the fear. Pick up the phone, you know, collect no's, you know, just get used to people saying no and just think actually, you know, someone's gonna say yes at some point. But yeah, people should just people should just do it. Just sign up for, you know, there's one lady that I know and she was on couch to 5K. And I said, you know what? you better start looking at which marathon you're going to be running. She's like, no, 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 I'm not going to run a marathon. And she will, you know, and I think you just have to, once it almost kind of like snowballs, I think once you get the confidence in one area, then you just think, oh, do you know what? I could do this. And don't be afraid of asking. That's my book is called Ask and Act. Because I think if you get used to asking, you know, amazing things will will come by your way. You know, the the quote that's on the front of my book now is by Hal Elrod. And I just asked him, you know, I followed, I wrote to him and I said, you know, I love your work. It changed my life, you know, years ago. Could you could you give me a quote from for my book? And and he said, yeah. And and I think, you know, people if they if they ask, amazing things will happen. Thanks for joining me on this episode of The Leadership Blog. I can't wait to talk to you next week with our next guest for the Small Business and Side Hustle series. Speak to you then. Mm-hmm.